everyone, welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, Year 2, where this year we're reading through and studying the entire New Testament, one chapter at a time. Thanks again for joining us in discovering God's plan and your part in it. Today we are going to take a quick dive into the fact that Jesus in his ministry spends tons of time with tax collectors and sinners, people who were outcasts, people who would not typically have fit in the society of that day. And I think maybe there's a couple things we can pull out of this text that maybe you haven't thought of. So I'm excited to do that. Today we are looking at Mark chapter 2, and in typical Mark fashion, he's highlighting the absolute authority of Jesus, and he's doing it very quickly. Uh, So I guess a lot of what stuck out to me is more towards the end of the chapter, so maybe you should kind of start us rolling with things from the beginning if there were things that stuck out to you. You know, this story about the paralytic, we um, we start off with the story of these friends that carry this guy who's been paralyzed for a long time to Jesus. They rip the roof off of a house and lower him down, mm-hmm. which is uh, indeed destructive. Um, I, I don't know. I, I like this story. Uh, I actually remember when I heard this story in Sunday school and the people were like showing me on a flannel graph. <laughs> what was happening. Like I can remember the little felt guy on the mat coming down Mm. through the roof. If you don't know what a flannel graph is, you're probably not old, I guess. Um, I think it's a really interesting story. And I don't know if it's fair to draw this conclusion, but one of the things I love about it, and I hope I'm not allegorizing too much, is that these friends knew that Jesus was the solution to their friend's problem. They knew that if they could get their friend to come to Jesus, his life would improve, his health would improve, everything about him would be better. And if you think about it, like it's a pretty drastic step, like to the point of I can't even get in, so we're just taking him up on the roof, which seems entirely like foolish because what if he falls off the roof and is even in like worse shape than what he was? There's a whole story before the story, obviously, like that they knew this guy for for a while, we can assume. They would have taken like a lot of planning to figure out how to get him from point A to point B. They see the crowd. They can't get in. So they go to extensive measures to lower him down from the ceiling. I'm intrigued by the story before the story, but I think there is application for us today in that Jesus is the solution to your friend's problems. And if you can bring your friend to Jesus it will improve their lives. Now, like I said, I don't want to stretch it too much and make this story mean something that it doesn't mean. But there is, I think, a good conclusion to draw here. When you bring your friends to know and fear the Lord, when you bring them face to face with Jesus, it will improve their lives. And these guys are playing that out. I think it's I think it's a powerful image. Mm-hmm. I think the idea of bringing your friends to or bringing your friends problems to Jesus is so powerful because if you think of literally any scenario to the absolute worst, Mm -hmm. it can all be drawn back to like even the things that you're like, but what about this? And I'm hung up on this. Like every piece of it can be brought back to like humbly bowing before Jesus and just offering him whatever it is that's holding you back. Um, And that's like the cool thing about what we believe because there's so many things that can really just like haunt us and hold us back or feel like we can't overcome them ever. But I can confidently say that no matter what the issue or what the the circumstance that if we bring it to Jesus, he will always like reveal to us that he is more powerful than whatever it is that's holding us back. Well, and, and you think about this man's problem, like he's been paralyzed for a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. That's not, hey, I had the wrong attitude. Hey, could you pray for me? Hey, you know, like it, it's not a seemingly simple thing. 
And it's not always that the answer will be what we expect. Exactly. Whatever the the issue is, it doesn't always work out the way that we see it, but it will work out for God's good plan. Uh, speaking of um, maybe not working out the way we thought it would, uh, those of you who are annoyed by all our allegorizing, we apologize. But um, th- this did not go the way they thought it would go because they they go to extensive measures to lower their friend from the ceiling. And when he gets in front of Jesus, Jesus sees him and is like, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> think, okay, think about this. How long did they plan this trip? They're How like, lo- wait, that's the answer? Exactly. <laughs> They're like, uh, seriously, that's what you're going to do, Jesus? You're just going to forgive his sins? So, like, I'm sure he's shocked when Jesus looks at him and is like, hey, your sins are forgiven, because that's not what they were expecting, and it's not what the crowd was expecting, because they're like, what? How dare him forgive sins? And then Jesus looks at him and is like, okay, pick up your mat and leave. And that proves that Jesus has authority to heal this man, but also has authority to forgive sins. So Mm -hmm. he's proven that he can do both things. Yep. And so then we move into a little bit more of the chapter. Do you want to touch on Levi at all? So Levi is Matthew. Um, it, you, you could read this and be like, uh, who is this guy? This is Matthew. So this is the guy that wrote the gospel that we just finished reading. He is a tax collector. People hated tax collectors. You can also see that he was a fairly wealthy person because in the next couple of verses, he has a giant house full of people that are tax collectors and sinners. And I want to talk about this a little bit because people today love to highlight the fact that Jesus loves tax collectors and sinners. Essentially, uh, Jesus loves to hang out with people who do not seem to be believers, do not seem to be Christians, do not seem to be the right things. I was just listening to a podcast yesterday where the guy was saying like, yeah, Jesus loves tax collectors. He loves sinners. He loves prostitutes. Like, why do all these church people act like you have to be holy? And I think it is a very, very common and dangerous misconception to think that Jesus hanging out with tax collectors, sinners, and prostitutes means that he is endorsing that kind of behavior. That makes me immediately think of a verse, and I should probably be more prepared than this, but um, the verse of how will they hear if they have never been told. Um, So like Jesus is definitely like showing this example of like, how are these people going to understand if no one's going to tell them? And again, it's not like you said, not endorsing the behavior, but at least shining light on the darkness. It does seem like so often people who try to paint Jesus as this guy who hung out and endorsed, remember the endorsed part, um, sinful behaviors are actually just choosing to believe that about Jesus because they're protecting their own sinful behaviors. Like, it's like, oh, what, how, how dare you judge me? Like, I Jesus hung out with sinners. Like, yeah, but what did he do? Like, remember Mark one fifteen that we looked at yesterday. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So Jesus' core message, according to Mark, is repent Believe the gospel, believe this good news of the kingdom of God being at hand, turn away from your sin. So he's going to these people, calling them to turn away from their sin. And many of them do, which is incredible. I think there's like a common misconception, too, that goes along with um, like, why don't Christians just hang out with these people and like, whatever, that 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 same kind of, I guess, conflict that you were talking about earlier. I think what used to be. And I like even have some older family members that actually some that aren't even living anymore that I know 
knew of like, you know, the prostitute kind of situation mm-hmm. or or those types of sins that would have been completely crazy outlandish, like, no way. We don't even touch that. We don't talk about that. And if we hear about somebody, we turn up our noses and walk away. And I think, like I said, I think there's a common misconception of that unfortunately is how people used to like highly and still do today treat people that are in those situations. However, the trade-off has been, oh, we love them and we right. want to like, we want to support you. And like, there, it's not an even trade-off. It's like the complete opposite. It's not meeting people and understanding where they come from and saying, hey, you know, that's actually like, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Rather than like, ugh, get away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a, there has to be a balance between the two because when you just flip to the other side, all you're doing is simply like supporting the darkness Mm -hmm. and what it should be is like interacting with the darkness but speaking light into it and not just entering the darkness and keeping your light to yourself like i think that's where it gets sticky and the trade-off is not helpful we are given a mission by Jesus to pursue those who are lost, to seek those who are lost. And so we can't do that if we refuse to be around anybody that strikes us as remotely sinful. Yeah. And obviously this happens. Obviously people like isolate themselves and they're afraid to go toward anybody that doesn't seem like they're righteous people. But we also do not endorse sinful mm-hmm, behavior. Mm-hmm. Jesus hanging out with tax collectors, sinners, and prostitutes did not mean that he was cool with what they were doing. Um, where, as we're talking about the story of the prostitute, we're talking about John 8. And what people tend to so conveniently forget is that the end of that story is Jesus looking into this prostitute's eyes, refusing to stone her for her sin, like he protects her life. But the final words he says to her is, go and sin no more. So his message is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You have to turn from your sin. You have to turn to Jesus. So he was not endorsing people. He was calling them um, to healing. And you can see actually in verse, let's see, it's verse 17. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick, even Jesus own words imply that these people are sick and need to come to a better place of healing. That is repentance. That is uh, belief in Jesus. That is freedom from sin. So the last section of Mark chapter two is talking about fasting and the Sabbath. And the Sabbath part is the one that got me the most. This is where Jesus is taking his disciples through um, the grain fields and they're like basically just like taking what they need to eat. And the Pharisees do not like this. And um, Jesus uses this example from the Old Testament. And then the verse that really got to me the most was verse 27, where he's speaking to the Pharisees and says, the Sabbath was made for man, not the man for Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And I guess what occurred to me most is like the Sabbath was designed for us to rest um, and not be weighed down by all the pressures and rules of Sabbath. Like it wasn't made for us to to come underneath and be like burdened by. Rather, it was created for us to enjoy God's presence and rest in his presence. Remember from Matthew that Jesus charges the Pharisees with tying weights around people that they cannot bear. So the people he's speaking to here in Mark 2 are people who make these religious requirements more difficult, more taxing, 
harder to achieve. And I'm sure they were doing that with Sabbath. So Jesus is making the case that God instituted the Sabbath so that we could be refreshed and restored, not so that we would be burdened and afraid. Also, Jesus doesn't say, don't recognize the Sabbath. He does not say, don't pause, don't rest, ignore the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. What he says is Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So this is not some religious institution we serve, but it is a religious institution that serves us. And if we do not heed it and obey it, we will suffer. Mm -hmm. And I think many of us probably have gone through periods of our lives where we for whatever reason, ignored Sabbath, did not regularly rest. And I bet it was a taxing time in your life that you probably look back on and regret. Uh, I, I would guess that's the case because God gave it to us to be refreshed and restored. He knows how we work. He knows how we function. He made us and he told us we should rest to be spiritually refreshed every seventh day. And so we do suffer if we don't heed his instructions. Yeah. And so I think I really appreciate this because I think there is like this weird, uh, at least when I was growing up, there's like this weird understanding that you don't do this and you don't do this and you don't do that. Um, and I remember growing up as a kid thinking like, well, I'm really confused. Like, am I supposed to do my homework on Sundays? Because everybody's geeking out about going to the restaurants. So I think what is helpful is that you are taking time to just relax and not be stressed out by all of the other things. Um, and I don't know, wherever you land on that. <laughs> well, I think I think it is relax, and I think it is be spiritually refreshed. Yeah. Like we are meant to uh, stir our affections for Jesus every seventh day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can look at this in legalistic terms, which I guess legalistic terms ensure that you don't miss the mark. Um, so they're not all terrible <laughs> Are you frustrated with the fact that I said that? Um, But sometimes they are not helpful. And that's what was going on here. Like Jesus doesn't throw the Sabbath in the garbage. He says, hey, understand what it's for, recognize what it does, and allow it to serve you because it's good for you. Well, and if you're someone like me too, like if I know that I'm getting off by, oh my gosh, I did that wrong, the Sabbath instantly becomes this thing where I'm just like on pins and needles because... I didn't do the right thing or I accidentally did X, Y, Z. And then there's nothing restful about it. Yeah. But it is meant to be a time of rest, of spiritual restoration. It's not a lay on the couch and watch football kind of thing. Those aren't bad things, but it's meant to actually stir your affections for Jesus, mm-hmm. help you um, kind of like fix up your relationship with God to be prepared for a new week. And if you ignore that instruction from God, your life will suffer, actually. Like, you will get wore out. You will get burned out. How many people in our culture today are burned out because they're overextended? I bet you you could point somewhere back in their lives where they decided Sabbath was not important. They didn't need it anymore. And now they're in a place where they realize, like, oh, this actually was a good thing for my life. So I guess a good and very applicable your part for today would just be to remember the Sabbath. We're actually teaching our kids the mm-hmm. part of the Ten Commandments recently. Remember the Sabbath, um, keep it holy, and really take time to rejuvenate and refresh your relationship with God. Um, and don't just take it as this silly little thing, but also at the same time, like be cautious that it's not like this checklist in your head, but it's actually good, valuable time for you and God to come closer um, and renew your relationship to start you out on a really great fresh step for the the next week that's that you're headed into. So thanks for joining us today for Mark 2. We'll see you back tomorrow for Mark 3. 
Thanks for joining today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. As always, please consider partnering with us as we are a listener-supported podcast that we hope to continue to grow with support from listeners just like you. We've made it super easy to partner with us, and you can support us by following the link in our show notes or our description. You can support us with as little as $3 a month. Every little bit of this helps so much, and we're so thankful for your support. With that in mind, here's today's reading. Mark chapter 2. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners." Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and worse tear is made. And no one puts a new wine into an old wineskin. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. One Sabbath he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of God's Plan, Your Part. Don't forget, you can find us on just about every social media platform and YouTube. Let us know what you thought of today's episode, and if you have any questions, go ahead and post them there. You can also reach out to us directly at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. 
As always, if you don't have a Bible, or if you'd like to use the one that we use, uh, reach out to us via email, and we'll be happy to send one to you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again tomorrow.